the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820AM The Word. I have a guest today on the program that I'm really excited about. I wish you could have been here for the last 30 minutes as we've been talking before we're recording because she is uh, she's someone I really want you to uh, meet and to listen to. Her name is Sue Stoltz. And Sue, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you so much, Chuck. Yeah, well, just uh, I just appreciate your heart and your spirit. You've, uh, you and I have uh, uh, been in conversation uh, for a couple of weeks now, so we know each other a little bit. But you've written a book and you've uh, hosted a conference that I attended. The book is called Reaching Beyond the Rail, and the conference was for caregivers. Uh, up at Shoreline Community Church uh, a while back. And uh, so tell me about the book, Reaching Beyond the Rail. What What is this book about? Well, the book, Reaching Beyond the Rail, The Blood, Sweat, and Tears of Caring for Mom and Dad. That's the heart and soul. It uh, was through my own personal journey with my dad. Uh, I was kind of thrusted into this is caregiving, and there are things you need to know, regardless if you want to or not. And uh, I realized that people should not walk this road alone, and so my book comes to the caregiver. It's written in a way that is just a very simple read. Uh, my readers say it's like having coffee with me across the mm-hmm. table. Um, 20 chapters of little insight about gee, what do we do in this situation? How do I become an active listener for mom and dad? And so um, it's a resource. It's a great way of saying, gee, I don't know anything about how do I take those car keys away from dad? Somebody give me a clue. And so it's a combination. There's some other stories of families I've walked with through their journey of caring for mom and dad, some dealing with spouses that have got some kind of an illness or diagnosis, and so how do we look at that, and what mindset should we have? You know, it's interesting. I, I When you walked into the office, um, I, I came out to greet you at the reception area. You're talking to our receptionist, and I can only yes. imagine that it was about yes. caregiving. Yes. I, I Instead of going to the studio, I wanted to introduce you to someone in our office who's a caregiver for her mother and grandfather, mm-hmm. or her mother and grandmother, and so we started to engage in a conversation there. Yes. And then we came in here before the the uh, we started recording, and I engaged you in a conversation about a family situation that I'm in. So this is pervasive, isn't it? About everyone you contact now, yeah. they have a story or a situation about 
caring for mom and dad, caring for a loved one. Right. It's it's all over, but yet the the concepts or the ideas about how to be proactive and working with your loved one, a lot of people are still very much in the dark, aren't they? They are, and it, it's scary. And And so when I realized a book needs to come out, I wanted people to recognize that there are some very basic things you can do because... Uh, Either you know your information or not, and you can't fight the enemy unless you know who it is or what it is. And so we are trying to hold jobs down, raise our family, and not knowing where do I get some help, what resources do I have. And to be able to help somebody, I I sit in a waiting room, and next thing I know, a conversation comes around gee, my mom's been sick. And and so my whole philosophy, just like I did with you, Chuck, this morning is if I can give you a few tools to put in your toolbox, you're going to be better at what's happening or ahead of the game to be able to go, oh, I just had this little bit of tidbit wisdom. And as I watched you take notes, Mm -hmm. I knew that you were gaining some tools Mm -hmm. by just the simple conversation. Mm-hmm. It, and it's true, and that's why I enjoyed your book so much. A lot of times when I talk to people about their books or whatever, you know, I try to read what I can. I promised you, and I did. Last yeah. Saturday, sat down, a uh, quiet morning, and uh, read read your book. And Super. I so appreciated it, and it was like uh, having coffee with an old friend. Oh, good. And it was, and so I appreciate it. So I'm, we'll, we'll give information about it towards the end of the program about how people can get a hold of your book called uh, Reaching Beyond the Rail. Where does that title come from? What do you mean by Reaching Beyond the Rail? Well, if you dare to reach beyond that armchair rail of the recliner your loved one's sitting in, that bed rail, especially the hospital bed rail, if you dare to care to love that person or even step in to care for them, you're going to need some tools. And so as I saw that's what I was doing with my loved one, as I reached in with a hand to hold their hand, to not make them feel alone, to provide comfort, it's amazing what just a soft, gentle hand hold does for somebody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so hence, that's reaching beyond the rail. Dare to reach beyond just that rail. Well, tell me about your story. Tell me about uh, your life a little bit before you became kind of a primary caregiver and share with us a little bit about that. Well, for many years, I I was a hairstylist. We raised four children, three boys, one girl. My husband had his own business, and uh, I dealt with my clients a lot of times hearing their stories. Um, Many occasions, I would be behind their back cutting hair, and I would be crying Mm. at some of these stories. And uh, I had one gal come in to tell me about her her mom. And uh, her mom was uh, coming to end of life, and she told me about hospice. I had never heard of hospice before in my life, and it was a lovely, lovely story. And so I didn't realize that in not too far from that conversation, my dad announced his cancer. 
And so my dad was not interested in having hospice, but I felt I needed to get some information for myself. My dad living in Bellingham, we're living down here in the Botha area. I contacted our local hospice through Evergreen Hospital and gained just an amazing amount of information. So when my dad announced his can his cancer, um, it wasn't done in a delightful way. No, no. I, when I read that, I was like, that was an awful Christmas. And hence the awful Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Um, I now, as I look back, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. I think my father was just so um, hurt and panicking that when he blurted out he had cancer at our Christmas gathering before we opened presents, it just went off like a bombshell. Mm. Um, We had no way of grasping what was he trying to tell us in the horrific fashion he did. And what I now can say, Chuck, is when someone gets a diagnosis, whatever that is, the whole family feels it some way or another. Mm -hmm. And so that person with the diagnosis, be it terminal or not, that person already is starting grief. And as we, the family, learn of this diagnosis, we too start walking through this grief pattern. But also because of family dynamics, there's good, great family connections, and sometimes families don't always have that good connection. And so maybe... Uh, your brother and your sister respond differently to that loved one's diagnosis and panic sets in or anger. And so what starts to happen is how does that family come around that loved one? And sometimes it's great. You hear everybody's pitching in. Or sometimes in my situation, I have a sibling that chose to be unavailable. Mm -hmm. And so with that, it either lays on one person's responsibility on their shoulders, and so it gets really heavy. And so that person, too, if it's a mom or a dad, we're going through that role reversal. Yeah. And sometimes we don't want to, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pain and hurt. And what's that look like when we step in if we have to become that primary caregiver? Yeah. Well, the thing that uh, as I was sharing with some family members uh, actually yesterday about the fact that you can't you you don't want to become in a role where you're trying to parent your parent. Correct. That you're an advocate for them, but you're not their parent. Yes. So you cannot be um, demanding of taking control, and Correct. that's really hard because especially if there's some poor decisions being made and learning how to navigate that because you're uncertain yourself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so there's so much going there. Like you said, there's so many different dynamics happening all at once that it can be overwhelming so quickly. And right. and so, what were some of the things that you learned during that process after your father blurted out at Christmas time that he had cancer? What were some of the things that you started processing through, and how did you deal with it? Well, I know that after he announced his cancer, then demanded myself and my sibling to head up to Bellingham, we were uh, we did not get to talk about 
the diagnosis. We didn't get to find out how much time do you have. All we knew was it was lung cancer, didn't know the size. And so as we arrived up there in Bellingham, my dad started having us sign all these different papers, paperwork, POAs. Now you're deemed the financial POA or or you're the personal health POA, what have you. And so these were POA means power of attorney. Power of attorney, documents, Mm -hmm. things that I had no idea. I was in my 30s, 38, 39 years old. I mean, I, I did not know of these documents, these instruments. And so through that journey, that's why I've com- compiled what's called the Personal Health Care Manual. There are documents that we really all need to have in order so that we have made those choices. My dad made that choice to select either my sibling or myself for one of those positions, which gave like the powers of attorney of health care that in case my dad's voice was gone, I am documented as that person to help make those choices. Somebody else, power of attorney for the finances, um, that my dad's bills were being paid while my dad was in the hospital and could not write out his checks. Things were being met. Through that, I also learned about the POLST form, P-O-L-S-T, POLST form, what that represents and why is it important to have that form if you're 70, 75 or older or if you have a terminal illness at any age. And what is that form actually? That form, hard green form, it's the P stands for uh, physicians, the O, order, L, life-sustaining treatments. And so it spells out the acronym PULST. But the only place you can get that is directly from a doctor or if you're in the hospital. It states your wishes. In case that I am unable to, you know, do this, do I want resuscitation? Do I want medication? Do I want to be brought back to life if my heart stops? And a lot of people don't like to talk about these conversations, and that's what I tell people. I start hard conversations. But my whole premise is if you can make some of these decisions on your own behalf, what a lighter load it would do for your family to have to make these decisions for you. So if we can get all these things, like my dad did, as hard as it was, my dad made those decisions while he was able. Mm -hmm. My job, my sibling's job, was to follow through on his requests. And it really did lighten the load. My, My dad even went as far as writing his own obituary. That was very hard to swallow, But that's what he wanted, Mm -hmm. and that's what he did. He also went all the way to the end of saying, you know, asking us, would you like me to be buried at this location or at this location closer to you? As hard as that conversation was, because we could not talk about the feelings of what's going on. He wouldn't allow that. He would not allow that. Right. But... Having those things in order made it easier to follow what we needed to do. And I find, we've learned, 60% of 
Americans across the United States, 60% prefer to be the ostrich and stick their head in the sand Mm -hmm. and not deal with those future plans. It's scary information, but if we don't have that conversation with our family, they don't know. So let me give you an idea. I have four children. They're in their 30s. And uh, so I've told my kids there's three most important things you need to know about your mom. We don't want to talk about this. No, I want you to know. Number one, mom is cold all the time. So get my red fuzzy blanket anytime I'm in the hospital, nursing facility. Do not let me get cold. Number two, mom's body does not like oatmeal. They feed all old people oatmeal. Do not let that come near. And number three, I am a mainline chocoholic. I need an IV of milk chocolate every day. (laughs) So with that, my kids, I've got some going, okay, I I remember the two. But what a great segue to say, by the way, we have our personal documents set aside, and this is the location if something happens to me or dad. You don't have to rummage through the desk, through the office, how did mom and dad hide it, but this is where the documents Mm -hmm. are that you need to take care of me and dad. Well, you know, having done this uh, for a couple of years now, and and, uh, I won't go back into the story of my dad and how he always talked about his end-of-life desires and all that sort of stuff, even when I was a young kid, but for me, um, I recognized I'm 63 years old, still in good health. But uh, last year, my son, uh, who lives in uh, in New York City and in, in Queens, uh, was out, and uh, I gave him the the um, thumb drive that had all of our personal documents, all of our passwords, all of our per- financial information, yes. our all everything that I could imagine he needed, and uh, and also copied my daughter, and uh, you know, so making sure that. That even when you're healthy and you're still expecting to live a long time, um, you never know. And so being able to do that, I feel like as a father, that's my gift to my kids. Good for you. Right? Because yes. they don't they know what I want. Yes. They know what their mom wants. They know, um, you know, how the arrangements have been made and where my insurance policies are and all those things. So in yes. the event of a of a speedy demise, uh, they they have access to that information quickly. You Did know. Uh, you know, Chuck, we all come with a pull date? <laughs> we do, don't we? We do, and so we never know the day, the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's tricky yeah. is when that time comes, will our family be prepared to step in? It's an emotional time, and uh, when we're under stress, we our brain literally goes out the window. And I'll tell you a little story. Yeah. The reason why I say that is my hu- husband came down with a seizure, first time ever. Never had seen it before. This was several years ago. I came into the room, and I noticed something was wrong. I thought I was in control. I grabbed the telephone, and I called 411. Hmm. I did not realize, I thought in my head I was calling 911. And it wasn't until they said, city and state, please, that I realized I am stressed out. Right. And so with that, 
if we can have things planned, if we can have those documents in, in order, ready to go, we can talk with our kids, our siblings, our spouses, our significant other, our partners to say, these are my wishes. These are the keys to help pay for some of my things. Please go there. And, and I love you lots. This is hard. It's so hard to talk about, but I want you to at least be prepared. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and again, it, you're really being a blessing to that family, that family member and those children and, and whoever that is, to be able to give them that information. Because, um, you know, it's uh, – you're right. We all come with a expiration date. We do. And uh, we're not the ones that actually end up deciding – you know when that date is. Um, well, let's uh, let's. We've got a couple minutes left, and uh, I'd love for people to know a little bit more about your book, how they can get a hold of it, and uh, your other manual that you have. So, so um, tell tell me about your website and how people can reach out to you. If they go to my website, personalhealthcareadvisor.com, or the name of the book, reaching beyondtherail.com. You can contact me there. You can leave me a message or my phone number is there. Or you can call me directly mm-hmm. at 425-770-2775. Um, great way to get a hold of the book, the manual. I have people call me and order books. I also ship them across the United States mm-hmm. for a, a fee. But those manuals, I have got them clear over in Hawaii. Some have gone to France. I've got books that are going to siblings. So I tell people, if you buy three, get the fourth one free. Right. If you've got a family that you're walking with a loved one and you've got siblings that need to read this book... I like to say everybody's on the same page. It's a great way to talk with your family and say, I've just read chapter one and two. What do you think? What do we need to be doing? Yeah. Well, you also uh, do quite a bit of uh, public speaking as well. I do. So talk to me about that. Well, um, I do large groups. I do conferences. I also do small groups. I offer workshops as well Mm -hmm. in a smaller setting. And I also tell people, call me. I give you a, you know, an hour, no obligation mm-hmm. consultation. See if that's something I can help with, and then you can hire me as that advocate or as that advisor for you and your family. I just want to get into the trenches with those family members to be able to say, let's let's look at what we're looking at. I'll go see mom. I can give you what my eyesight sees, and we'll go from there. So whatever avenue I can be to be that help, I also walk end of life with families. Um, That's a hard time, and sometimes it's like I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And so I was there. I was the loved one on my dad's bedside. Didn't have a clue except for the write-up from hospice. Right. And so at this point in time, to be able to come alongside families uh, to help them navigate that crazy road of care for mom and dad is what I do. Yeah. Well, it's it's such a critical time, and, and that's when people are, are most vulnerable. <clears throat> you know, 
Uh, I've learned this from talking with chaplains, and I think I've experienced it in my own life and being with people. There are times when you really, (laughs) unless the Lord gives you some sort of a a word from him for someone, sometimes it is, there really isn't anything you can say. But there definitely is a ministry of of presence. Yes. Of being there. And being available just to say, I love you. Yes. And by saying, I love you, it means that you're there and attentive. And that's sometimes that's all you can do, isn't it? It is. And, and I know sometimes, Chuck, people are afraid to touch their loved one when they're in a bed, hospital bed. They don't want to hurt them. And I said, you know, reach out your hand and just let them know you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we need to do that with our loved ones all the time. We do. We <laughs> but do. especially in those crisis times towards end of life or as a senior and being able to uh, work, uh, you know, love them and to work with them. Sue Stoltz, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, And um, be sure and uh, reach out to Sh- Sue. You can contact her at 425-770-2775 or SueStoltz.com. It's S-T-U-L-T-S. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.